Our country are facing, I have to develop my country. My people are struggling. There's poverty. There's so many challenges. But I have the responsibility for my planet, no pressure, for my species, no pressure, to protect this. It's a very difficult choice. So let's be very, very honest here. If the world is not ready to change, it's not only us who will take the responsibility for the failure. It's all of us. Welcome to Tusk Talks. I'm Bika Ranja, and this is Tusk Talks, a podcast exploring the life stories and extraordinary experiences of Africa's most inspirational conservationists. Episode 3, A Different Path. Fanny Minessi rescues endangered bonobos from poachers, gives them sanctuary, and rewilds them in the rainforests of Democratic Republic of Congo. Turning her back on her legal career to return to her roots in West Africa, Fanny is firm in her conviction that in order for conservation to be successful, local people must benefit from the sacrifices they make for conservation. Working in conservation is profoundly complex in a country like DRC. Ravaged by poverty, contending with COVID and Ebola outbreaks, insecurity, severe civil unrest, complicated logistics, and conflicting political agendas. Fanny is renowned for her adaptability and for her collaboration with local communities and indigenous people. I think you're gonna find this episode fascinating. Fanny has the most incredible story to tell. Here we go. Fanny Mbote. Mbote. For our listeners, Fanny, what does that mean? Mbote, it means hi, means hello. Ngala, which is one of the languages spoken in Congo. Congo is a very rich country with more than 300 languages, but Lingala is one of the main languages. Excellent. Thank you, Fanny. You've just come from Congo. So tell us, tell our listeners something amazing about Congo. Oh, wow. I can tell you so many things amazing about Congo. <laughs> something amazing about Congo is a land of opportunity. It's a land of solution. It's mm. a land of hope. So because you might think that Congo is far away from your interests, mm. but actually the forest of Congo is um, very crucial for you. Even if you live in London or in New York, our survival will be linked to how we protect those forests. It's the last lung of our planet. Congo is the, depends how you want to see it. It's either the land of the solution or either the last forest for us. Fantastic, Fanny. I think you're so correct, especially when you talk about Congo being the land of hope. I've been to Congo and I couldn't agree with you more. As it is the last lungs, there's a lot we have to do to support you to keep it that way, right? So tell me, how did you get into what you do? Who inspired you? What inspired you to do the amazing work that you do? So I, I, my family lived there for many generations. My dad is coming from there. My mom grew up in Congo. So that was my world. Um, and my family was always involved into nature, protection, conservation. And um, when she was 40 years old, I was about, I was a young kid. I was eight or something like that. For the first time, my mom um, crossed the road of one bonobo. 
and this is how the story started. She have dedicated her life to protect those animals, and that was really inspiring for me as a kid to see that she had no doubt, never. She didn't know how, but she was sure on the on the goal. Mm. She never doubt, and and growing up around parents that mm. live for what they. <laughs> They think they have to fight for. Um, it was really inspiring. I think I think my mom had a lot to do about what I am today and my dedication to bonobos and nature. That for sure is, you know, no one would doubt that. I mean, if they could only just meet you and see you, I can for one just see it coming through you when you talk about them. So tell us and tell our listeners more about bonobos. Why why are they so special? So bonobos are not really well known. You know, Congo is difficult to go. Back in the days, um, our country was named Zaire, um, politically unstable. So it was difficult to organize research over there. So for years, the researchers were thinking that they were in front of a chimp. Um, and the bonobos were they're not known for so many, and we, we're talking about decades only. Um, and they are so different from the chimps and from other great apes. Usually when you see great apes, mm-hmm. you see a big male mm-hmm. surrounded by his family and all the power is concentrated in one hand. This is completely different from Bonobo's society. Bonobos lead by the females, but not by one female who concentrate all the powers. The magic is they share the power between other females. And they also very well known for like as the EPs, they call them EPs of the forest because bonobos have sexual contact and you have to understand it as it's like a handshake. They use sex contact to reduce tension, um, to bond, and they don't care about male gender ages. And also in the whole world, this is the only animals that doesn't kill each other. So they have conflict, of course. Being in society is having conflict, but they never solve their conflict by killing another bonobo. And that is really, really, really rare. So it's like a democracy. It's matriarchal. It's matriarchal. So the son never left their moms. You have the place in the hierarchy coming from your mom. And yes, it's lead by the female. So I won't say that it's democratic because they don't vote. And I'm sure the male are not really, really happy about it. But it's working. It's a peaceful society. It's a peaceful society. They're not territorial. Wow. So they don't fight for land or space or females? Exactly. The females are always ready. You don't have like a season with dogs or or, or chimps. Yes. The females are always ready to have sex. That is fascinating. So that's a social structure that you see that's automatic from generation to generation of bonobos, or does it go off piste at all? If your mom is a leader, then you're a leader. Wow, that's amazing. That's fantastic. Which leads nicely to my next point, which I know you don't like talking about, but I think we need to talk about it, which is the role of women in conservation in Africa. I'm not, just let me be clear about this. It's not that I don't like to talk about women. I think sometimes what we are doing is seems by the other just with that glasses like sometimes you do things because you are a human being you're not doing things because you are because a woman. woman i was wondering do do people ask that to a man sometimes i'm, I'm, I'm wondering so yeah. i i'm i'm totally aware about the challenges we're facing as women especially mm. in africa and mm. 
protection and conservation. I am aware of that. And yes, I'm happy. I'm happy to, how can I say that? I'm, I'm happy to, I don't pay attention to this. Yes. I don't pay attention where I'm supposed to step. Take my, you, my way. You just take your exactly. way. Yeah. And, speak and I bring my yeah. girls with me. Excellent. Bring them forth, definitely. Let's, let's lead the charge. But I think it's interesting that you say that because it is something that I, like you, question a lot. Do we talk about it? How do we talk about it? When do we talk about it and whom do we talk about it to? Because I feel sometimes it's like an echo chamber and then sometimes you can hit the spot with just one thing you say. So I think it's something that we'll always be discussing and it will ebb and flow. But your team on the ground are predominantly women and I understand that you'll be expanding your footprint, so to speak, into Europe and other places with those teams also predominantly led by women. So what is driving that? Women are able to overpass themselves. And, and especially when you work in conservation in challenging countries like DRC can be. When you, when you have those challenges as a woman, the challenge in conservation is just another one. And it, it gives you this force and to be brave enough to go and try in front of males and patriarchal and traditional. It, it's very difficult sometimes because, you know, we work in the, into the forest. We have two sides, right? Mm. We have the project where, where we rehabilitate bonobos. Mm. We rescue them, mm-hmm. we rehabilitate them in the center. They are orphans. They, their mother were killed to be eaten. Um, we rescue those orphans, we rehabilitate them, and then they recreate families, they recreate groups. And then after, those groups are reintroduced into a protected area. This protected area is very different from the other protected areas in Congos because they are managed with the local communities. And it means that you are putting the traditional power at the same level that administration power. The traditional power is really old men rules, right? So right. sometimes as a woman, I also push to the side to make sure that we don't fall to the excess of the traditional power. You know what yes. I mean? Working I'm separately with the women to just to verify is is this your ideal? Yeah. This direction reflect what you think for your land because you have rights. This um, talent, it's really difficult to preserve it because traditional power, administration, but also the minority. So yeah, it takes a lot of different ingredients to make it work. Yeah. And, and it takes time also. Yeah. It's, and it, and it's, a, it's a slow process. And it's very, what we say in French, artisanal like by hand, right? Yes. Because yes. We, are, we are literally creating our rules, working with the people who live over there with their own um, rules, their own challenge. And yes. sometimes even the women, they're like, you're not allowed to say this. We're not asking you to say it in front of everybody, but we want to make sure that the direction we're taking is okay for you and for your daughters. Right. Sometimes it's harder for them to talk about themselves, but it's easier to talk about their daughters. Exactly, exactly. And that's the thing, you know, it's just understanding that a lot of these things are evolutionary 
Um, however, we can bring in the different voices, whether it's gathering from the side and then bringing them into the fold as a whole. I think it's important that we all look to ensure that every voice is heard and that you're not going to get a perfect solution for everybody, but as perfect as it, as it can be for everybody who needs it. And that's the importance. I think if we look back at the bonobo structure, as you've just explained it to us, if we can only take from that and maybe we should all start looking to nature to determine our way of being, our way of existence and learn from nature. This is also why I'm scared that they disappear because honestly, they, they should inspire how we manage our own society. I mean, they're not territorial. We are. <laughs> we fight for a piece of land. Um, we are not sharing the power. By definition, making a good decision is a decision made by someone who concentrates the power. It's totally different from our society. Yeah. And if we continue, we're going to lose the bonobos. We're going to lose them in three generations. The scientific says there's no more bonobo into the world. Wow. So we have to do something. We have the responsibility to do something for this creature because they are fascinating. They are. Mm -hmm. We have mm -hmm. so many things to learn from them. And it's true. We are duplicating, in a way, what we learn from the bonobos. And it is, I'm telling you, it's not easy. It's not easy because we are not used to share. Yeah. You're not to use to share the decision. Yeah. In trying to manage this protected area, being inclusive, trying to make everybody have the right to say mm -hmm. what seems to be good for them. This is the most challenging thing that I'm doing, I think, mm -hmm. honestly. Like recreating a place where everybody can speak yes. and have the right to say, I'm, I'm not okay with this. Um, it's, it's difficult even to make you say it in front of the others. Very difficult, very difficult. And I think it's not just saying it, it's just going and doing it as, as well. So it's one thing to say, but it's another thing to have the courage and fortitude to go and do it. We tried hard yeah. and a lot of money went into yeah. protecting areas and conservation yeah. and, and, and biodiversity. What is the result? I mean... We can discuss about it. So we have to try different ways yeah. and we have to stop putting the human in the center of the problem. We have to look for solution. So protecting the nature is not against the human being. It's for us. We have to learn to live all together and to balance that. And I'm telling you, the Congo have a very difficult choice because now we feel like the North countries are not ready to change the way they do. They do leave. They're not ready for change, but they are expecting countries like Congo to take the responsibility to protect those forests for all of us, right? Mm. But nobody is ready to change. Do you think it's normal? So our country are facing, I have to develop my country. My people are struggling. There's poverty. There's so many mm. challenges, but I have the responsibility for my planet, no pressure, for my species, no pressure, to protect this. It's a very difficult choice. So let's be very, very honest here. If the world is not ready to change, it's not only us who will take the responsibility for the failure. It's all of us. It's not a Congolese responsibility. Yeah. So hopefully, Fanny, if we listen to what you've got to say and take it in wholeheartedly and live by your example, I think we'll be on a good track. But the most important thing, as we've just said, is the trying. It's good to have the ideas and, and the passion and everything, but the most important thing is the trying. We are so little, you know, we are so little, so let's try.
It's a collective managing of responsibility at the end of the day, I think. I was talking to one of our colleagues earlier, and it baffles me, it really does, how we can be watching the world crack and not be running to get out the band-aids, the plasters and the bandages. You know, my mother always used to say to me, the best that you can do is try. So, Fanny, tell me a fun fact about bonobos. Fun fact about bonobos. And not talking about sex? I mean, no, they are fascinating. You know what is really difficult for me? Sometimes Mm. not comparing them to our species. This is a thing that I have to work on myself. You know what I mean? I have to not, not exactly, not to project things on them. But it's true for us coming from our society. Seeing this society sharing the power, lead by the female, not having any rules about sexual contact, mm-hmm. like males and males, youngs and, and old. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no rule besides we take what we need, so we don't compete for the land. If there is enough food, we share the land. If there is no more food, then we spread. So I guess it's like a bit like a... 1970s Woodstock without the drugs, huh? This is why they call them the hippies. Maybe they take some some leaves. I don't know about that. But yes, this is why they call them the hippies of the forest. That's excellent. Oh my God, Fanny, I really need to come and see see the bonobos and you in situ and in the field. Um, I've been in the Congo many, many years ago when I was a journalist running around with rebel leaders and covering... Um, various um, insurgencies as a journalist, but I now need to come and spend some time with the bonobos and learn about their structures and do some some nice things and take spend some time taking care of them with you. You will discover another Congo. You know, Congo is really big. It's like continental. It's the size to the people who listen to us. Congo is the size of Europe. So imagine yes. the diversity of the culture. The, yes. With, there are so many ways of celebrating joy, celebrating mm. death, celebrating yes. union. Yeah. Like, it's a and rich country. Yeah. It's a wonderful country. I wish, I wish it's true we're facing huge challenges because mm. unfortunately we are um, a, a rich country. Our, the land is really rich, yes. but nobody is taking nothing. advantage yeah, of yeah, this. Yeah. So sometimes I wish we had nothing, you know, mm. honestly. Sometimes I wish we had nothing. Mm. I think if I look back at my time, Fanny, one of my most memorable moments or times as a journalist was navigating that immense river Congo in a tiny little plane. We went from Badlite to Beni and then from Beni to Entebbe. But it was just, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Badulit, it's very mm. close to the release site. Badulit is north. And yeah. we are Basankusu. It's just down there. Mm. Yeah. And when I was in Congo, I mean, I tell you, just traveling through those thick jungle, I mean, it's forest like I've never seen, to the point where traversing through Congo, I felt like a modern day explorer. You see, it's one of the places when you sit there, you feel like nothing has changed for so many years. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have this forest. Yeah. Deep forest. We talk about swim forest. Deep. We not talk about the the, the lion the king, kings. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk it's about like forest where yeah. you sit here. I cannot you see her. See. Yeah. The 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 the, the, the teams working over there. They they they're so brave, and 
you have those black rivers, black, yeah. black, reflecting wow. the forest. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world. Very difficult to go. You don't visit yeah. Congo. You know, you have to be invited to go in Congo. Mm. You don't go in Congo like this. Yeah. You have to be invited, right? So it's a date. It's a date. I'm waiting for you. Excellent. Excellent, Fanny. I can't wait. I honestly cannot wait to meet, to come and see you meet the team, interact and engage with the bonobos. I really can't wait. And until then, I can just say it was fantastic. It was such a joy to talk to you. Thank, Thank you. you for having me. Thank you for your concern. Thank you for your interest for bonobos, for the forest, for countries like us. And, it, you know, we don't do this for, for this. We don't, we don't work every day for this, for this attention. But it's, it's, it's nice to feel that people are concerned, you're not alone, and people want to be part of this. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to speak more about bonobos. I'm happy to make you discover this fascinating species and to talk about my country. Thanks for listening to Tusk Talks, stories from Africa's conservation voices. You can find out more about Tusk's work, as well as the transcripts and summaries of all podcast episodes at tusk.org. And you can subscribe to Tusk Talks wherever you get your podcasts. Please share it with friends and leave a review. That's the best way to ensure the podcast reaches as many people as possible. Please let us know your thoughts feedbacks and questions by joining in the conversation on social media with the hashtag Tusk Talks Podcast. Asante sana.